welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm Brad, and I'm joined as always by my co-host James. James, happy New Year! Yeah, How things going? They are doing fabulous. You know, a good Christmas break and a New Year's is is great. And now it's nice to kind of get back in the in the work seat and uh, get going again. Although I must confess, it took a little bit of. Uh, I've worked to get the wheels of industry back in motion again. Remember what, what 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 am I doing? Who am I? Where am I supposed to be? What all do I have on my calendar? Yes. There's always sort of a holiday hangover feeling in there where you're kind of trying to get back into a routine, but it's good to get back in the saddle. I hope you had a good New Year's celebration here. You drank your sparkling grape juice and stayed up till what you you're a late nighter you probably stayed up i'm till a late nighter yeah we stayed up to midnight almost let our kids stay up till midnight i mean we're wow i was impressed that i made it to 10 30 so <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take it <laughs> you did new year's in like greenland or something yeah that's how i go i find some other time zone that's more convenient i aim for that so i think bermuda i i rang it in with bermuda or something there you go so, Anyways, well, tell us, since this is we're kicking off the new year, we've got a new series that we're going to jump into that I'm really excited about. So tell us a little bit about that. So we are going to do a series on evangelism, growing as evangelists, growing in our training of evangelists. So we got some really good guests lined up to come on and talk about that. I think multiple times, I think we've all talked about this as, as staff, as volunteers, like this whole group that just generally speaking, our students coming into O Week are less, we feel like they're less prepared to share the gospel. Like that's always a weak, a weak area. It's rarely the case when someone comes in and it's like, oh, wow, you know, they're struggling in a lot of other areas, but they've got their evangelism down good. It's far more likely to be the other way around. They're doing good in some other areas, but their sharing of the actual gospel, the actual reason that we're going is weaker. So I thought we would get some people who are known to be good at it, known to have spent time and energy learning and working on on it and uh, let them share with us and um, hopefully whether you're a student going or you're an alumni or a college campus staff worker hopefully it'll help all of us uh, one become better evangelists two become better at training and teaching like in our disciple making how are we actually training our people to be evangelists and to be better at evangelism so hopefully that's the Hopefully that's the thing that uh, will will improve and help us as we go into this series. And I think I want to say, I know sometimes with evangelism, what we wind up getting is a guilt trip. And uh, that's not our intent here, not to give guilt trip, but how can we spur one another on towards love and good deeds? And in this case, the, the good deeds being, you know, telling the greatest story ever told. Yeah, it's, I, I think evangelism is similar to prayer. It's kind of the thing we're always talking about. We wish we were more faithful. We wish we did more. And so, as you said, you know, we, we're not aiming for guilt trip, but I think we don't want to aim for just throwing up our hands and saying, oh, well, we're, you know, I, I wish I could do it more, but it's probably not going to happen. And I think, as you said, I, one of the things I'm excited about is a lot of our students have, are a bit shy in this area. I think there's this perception that people won't be interested to hear. Mm-hmm. And I think David coming up here and on this episode will really dispel some of that, that actually most people are at least willing to engage. And, mm-hmm. and so there's got to be a faith element. And I think that's going to come out in all of these interviews that we do. So right. I am really looking forward to it. And we will kick it off with 
one of both of our favorite people here sharing about his experiences. I just think about one of our, our core values or one of the things that's fundamental to us is committing to training. And let's get our reps in and let's, uh, let's grow in this. David is the director at New Mexico State University and just a great guy. And I've bumped up to his evangelism methods and people who have employed them in their ministry several times. And so I wanted to sit down with David. I've also got Elise on with me. Elise, this is your first time on the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's fun to be here. <laughs> Excellent. And David, welcome back to the podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Good to be with you. Good to be here. So tell us a little bit, how did you get started in doing evangelism, training evangelism the way that you currently do? And we'll get a chance to kind of flesh out what you do as we go. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very humbling story for me. I, uh, I had been at NMSU just, uh, just a little over a year. And we were at Collegiate Week at Glorietta, and one of my students had gone to a seminar by a guy named Roland Lapp. A lot of, a lot of the older folks on, that listen to this will know that name, but younger folks won't. But Roland was, at that time, a, an evangelism consultant, collegiate consultant with the Home Mission Board. Uh, and he was known, at, even at that time, I knew who he was as a guy who... His life message was memorize to evangelize. One of our guys went to his breakout and then came back to lunch that day. And, and you know, he said, David, you ever heard of that guy? And I go, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't know him well. but And he said, we should have him come get a retreat for us. And I thought, oh, yeah, we should. And that was August of 86. So that spring of 87, we had a retreat. We asked Roland to come. and he, he called me at one point before he came and said, hey, if you want me to, I can fly in a day early. And then on Friday morning and afternoon before we had to retreat, I can just take students on campus and share the gospel. And I said, man, that's a great idea. So we had students sign up and, at, and he would just grab one and go and then come back and grab one and go and come back. And at one point. During the morning, there was a time slot where whoever had signed up didn't show up. And I'm telling you, if you can just imagine this, I'm standing there. It's a chalkboard back in those days, right? We're, we're standing there looking at the chalkboard. Rollins next to me, and no one's there. And he turned to me with an honest question. He just looked at me and he said, what's wrong with you? And immediately... I realized that his question was, David, why isn't your name up here? You know, and I felt, I mean, I was, I was embarrassed. I was shamed a little bit. He wasn't trying to shame me, but I, with a kind of with a squeaky voice, I said, nothing. <laughs> and, you know, and sure, so he took me out on campus. Okay. So that, that's just, it was a, it was a slap in the face that I wasn't, on that list. And then we, we go to the retreat and he does his, 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 his a great job of teaching. And on Sunday morning, as we're finishing up, I just felt like the Lord was saying, David, you've got to train students to share the gospel. And so I pulled out a piece of paper and wrote down 17 different time slots that I knew I had opened that coming week. 
And as Roland sat down, I stood up and I just said to the students, hey, I'm going to do this. I, I don't know how. I confessed to them I didn't have a plan or a strategy, but I, I had a burden. Um, God had really, really convicted me that weekend. And I said, if, if you'll go with me, I'm going to go on campus this week. And I'm going to share the gospel. And to our students' credit, 17 signed up and all showed up. And it's amazing that four people came to Christ that week. Wow. You know, and and here here's the irony of that is we didn't know what we were doing. We really didn't know what we were doing. I mean, I had, I had gone through CWT and some of the other trainings and stuff way back in the day, but I did not have a plan. And it was looking back, and even in those days, we realized it was horribly awkward what we were doing that those first few weeks. But in reality, what God was doing was just giving us a burden, giving me a burden, not only for evangelism, but for training students to be effective sharing the gospel. And so that's kind of how it started now. There's a lot more of that story. And if you let me know if you how much of it you I'm, want to hear. But, I'm good for the whole bit. Well, that, I would just, I mean, kind of in a in an overview, we had to learn how to do this well, right? It was it was awkward, and so in a, in in the short story form, we begin to begin to to verbalize, I guess you could say what we would now call the permission principle. Okay. Okay. One, God is already active in our world everywhere. There's, there's no place you or I will ever go on the face of the earth and begin to share the gospel where God didn't get there first. Mm. He's already active. The only reason people aren't hearing is because we're not telling them. And God's the one who even causes them to be willing to hear. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just the way God works. And so based on that sovereignty reality, we begin to, to simply ask for permission. So today, if you had gone on campus with me, as, as one of our students did, you would have seen us walk up to a student and simply say, hey, we're from Christian Challenge. We're on campus today talking to people about a relationship with Jesus. Would it be right if we ask you a few questions? And at any point in that approach, you know, we pause long enough for them to just say, ah, no, no thanks. We're wanting, we're wanting their permission. If they, if they say, no, 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 no thanks, no, not now, not today, or I'm busy, we just say, hey, that's, that's cool, maybe another time. Have a great day. And we walk away and just pray that God would even use that brief invitation. But if they say, yeah, I guess, uh, then we sit down and we, we have a gospel presentation that we've written, that we've kind of prepared over the years. But the presentation itself is, is, isn't the key. But we go forward with permission. Mm -hmm. and, um, and what percentage of people that you ask students that you ask what percent will say yeah talk about that yeah you know i mean over the years you know we started doing this way back and over the years i i have at times tried to keep track of that just from my own experience 
and about 70% of the people we approach. Mm-hmm. And, and I would say that that has been the case uh, as I've, as I've had opportunity to go to other campuses around the country where they've asked us to come and train the same percentage. It's not just mm-hmm. New Mexico state. It's, mm-hmm. it's common. Okay. Um, and just to, to push back on that, like is, have you been to California or New England or the yeah. Northwest or Colorado or places where people where yeah. the common perception is, hey, they're not very open out here. Yeah, we have. We've uh, been to the Northwest, to California, to Arizona, Colorado, Oklahoma, Alabama. And so, and it's unique in every place. I mean, it, you're, you're going to, the bottom line is you're simply asking for permission, mm-hmm. you know, and you're letting them know up front. It's not a survey. We're not saying, hey, who are you pulling for this weekend? And then trying to slip around the side. You know, there's a verse that Rollin gave me way back in the day, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. It's in the Living Bible version and simply says, it's God himself and his mercy who's given us this wonderful work of telling his good news to others. And so we never give up. Mm-hmm. We don't try to trick people into believing. We never try to get people to believe that the Bible teaches what it doesn't. All such shameful methods we forego. We stand in the presence of God as we speak. And so we tell the truth as all who know us will agree. And I was convicted by that. I am not going to trick someone into hearing the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I know there's approaches that kind of take its roundabout path and come in the back door. And I, I personally am not comfortable with that. I would much rather simply ask God for permission. Mm-hmm. God, this morning, God, would you please work in a student's heart, guide us, under the campus where we should go and give us permission. God, let, let us trust you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's our students have, you know, initially it's awkward because it's like, ah, you know, I've never done this before. But the, the authenticity and the gentleness of simply asking for permission mm-hmm. is, is, a, is a relief. Mm-hmm. It's a theological, as Pratt was, a pragmatic relief that says, God, I want to I share, but you, give, you open the door. And so, yeah, we've seen that. And, you know, and it, it's, it's a relational principle, too. I, I, we, we train our students, hey, every, every opportunity, not just in spontaneous context like these that we might do for training on campus, but if I'm trying to, Talk to my neighbor. I'm going to, in a in an appropriate social way, ask him for permission to talk to him. Mm-hmm. What's now, I'm going not going to use the same. I'm not going to say, "Hey, I'm from Christian Challenge." I'm not, 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 right, I'm, but we know how to we know how to gauge a person's willingness to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and so, like with my brother, I mean, I've been praying for his salvation forever. And admittedly, early on, I was a jerk, Mm. you know, and have grown into trying to honor him and trying to get the gospel to him. And now I I just I have told him because it's been years, it's been decades trying to share with him. And I've just told him, hey, if we're getting in the truck up in northern New Mexico to go duck hunting, 
I just go ahead and open up. I just say, hey, man, I, if, if you're open to it, at some point today, maybe we can talk more about Jesus. If you don't, if not, that's cool. And I just leave it there. Mm. That, that's asking for permission. He already mm-hmm. knows who I am. He already He's probably nervous getting yeah. in the truck with me. Yeah. So it, it's relational. It's just you can tell when someone is done. Mm-hmm. And we need to trust God's sovereignty and and let him go in prayer. Mm-hmm. And perhaps ask the Lord to see the Lord that he's going to send someone else into their life whom we may never know. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I got a quick story on that for you. Way, way back in our, in the early nine, late 80s, early 90s, we had a guy in our ministry who played baseball for NMSU, and he had transferred from a, another campus in northern New Mexico. And his story is, back in the day, you know, it was more common that you could just go and knock on someone's door in the dorm. Mm-hmm. And these two guys came to his dorm and knocked on the door. He opened it, and they... They tried to share the gospel with him, but he pushed them off. And his story is that when he closed the door, God convicted him. He pounded him. And Scott, this guy's name is Scott. He got on his knees in his dorm room and trusted Jesus that day. Okay, now, Scott transfers to NMSU. He's He's in my athlete's Bible study. He starts to get involved in challenge. And he picks up on the evangelism training that we do. And I'm telling you, here's a guy, one of those people that you've in, you sometimes see who's, he really, he does have the gift of evangelism and God used him. Uh, I've got names of over a hundred people that he led to Christ hmm. before he graduated from college. Okay. Well, he never graduated. He quit his, before his, before his last semester because God was calling him into ministry. Hmm. He's, he has had an evangelistic ministry, got new global ministries, is what it's called, since the early 90s. And literally tens of thousands of people have come to faith through Scott and his ministry. Okay, now, I, and I tell students this all the time. Those two guys who knocked on his door have no idea. Mm. They have no idea. And yet, in in some ways, we could say this is all their, this is their fruit mm-hmm. because they were faithful to knock on a door and try to share the gospel. And I just think we need to have that kind of trust. God, give me permission, and if if they say no, I'll trust you with that. Even if I don't even get to share the gospel, like Scott, God, I know you could bring him to conviction where he is. And you could do something through his life that no one could ever imagine. So I just, the permission principle is at the root of this and it's relational. It's not just for spontaneous evangelism. And because of that, listen, I'm going to push back on something too. Okay. I know it's a common term and I know nobody means it in a a derogatory way. Maybe they do, but people talk about whole Turkey evangelism. Mm -hmm. Okay. I get that. I know what they mean, but in reality, that's a that's a, a cheap way to refer to what God does. I guess God was doing cold turkey evangelism when He led Paul to cross on the Damascus Road, mm. right? Come on, back off! No, 
There's nothing cold about it. God got there first. It is spontaneous. It is on the off the cuff sometimes. Mm-hmm. But we've got to be willing to share the gospel no matter where we are, when, when God prompts us. If we only share the gospel in a relationship, we'll never share the gospel because we don't know how. Mm. So, David, so I have, reason, yeah, go ahead, I have please. a quick, quick question for you. Just thinking about students who might feel like they don't really have much of an evangelistic bone in their body or have really worked hard at evangelism but don't see much fruit. What would you say to that person? Yeah. For one, I would say let's define success in evangelism. And I would just, I would suggest biblically that it's a very simple formula. Success in evangelism is simply preparation plus obedience. Period. Has nothing to do with how the person responds. It has everything to do with how we prepare. Now, Paul said in Colossians 4, hey, pray that I would be able to make it plain and clear as of course mm-hmm. I should. Mm-hmm. We've got to prepare. That's why we've got to train people. We can't just tell them from the pulpit to go share the gospel, which is essentially how we do it in church today. Nobody ever takes you with them to let you watch them share the gospel. Nobody ever does. They only tell you to go do it. And so on the rare occasion that you get to actually watch someone, it's absolutely inspiring, as well as maybe convicting and unsettling. And so I would say preparation is so huge. And then so master it and find an approach, a presentation or whatever that that you are going to master, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Pick one. But master it and then be obedient. Be obedient and share the gospel as God opens the door. And, you know, I mean, okay, I'll just keep preaching. But Acts 16, verses 16 and 17, God's really kind of pounded my heart on that this year. It says, Paul was waiting in Athens for his friends to arrive. And it says, as he was waiting, his heart was being provoked within him as he was watching this city full of idols. And verse 16, 17 says, So Paul reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. Paul was doing spontaneous evangelism, as were all the apostles, the disciples. And I just think we've got to not only have a grasp of the principles and the presentation and to be able to make it plain and clear, but we've got to be actively looking for opportunities to share, including asking for permission in unexpected situations. So to to that student, one, I would say I totally resonate with that because I think that's true for so many people. I think that's true for pastors. You know, I I just, I'm not downplaying the role of pastor, but I just think so often we know what we should do, but we don't have a plan for training anybody. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I, I don't know. I, I could probably count on two hands over the last 35 years that we've been doing this, how many students have come into our ministry who want to argue as to whether we should share the gospel. They all know we should. No one's arguing of whether we should. But, but 99% of them don't know how. And then the 1% that do know how, praise the Lord, and they're doing it. My question to them would be, that's awesome. How many people have you trained to share the gospel? You know, and so I just. So tell, tell me a little bit about the training. Suppose I'm a new student. I come into your ministry. I, yeah. you know, I, I grew up in church. I want, I love God. I want to be, but how do you begin training me? Yeah. And, and, and again, okay. Part of this is it's, yeah, I didn't miss you. It, it's both a plus and a minus. Okay. For us, but one of the pluses is there's already a culture in our ministry of doing this. Okay. And so that new student, you're coming in as a freshman or you're transferred or you just found us as a returning student, you're going to fairly, fairly quickly discover that other people are doing this. So it's not just an isolated thing. So that that's a good thing. And so as I would Maybe pull your side. I had a chance today to talk to a guy named Rogelio. Okay, he came in, brand new guy. I mean, first time I met him, and he was so curious about this. So essentially, what I'm saying to him is, "Hey, man, you know, we can help you if if you're willing to be trained. We can help you learn how to authentically and persuasively share the gospel um, by simply." I told him I used this analogy. Hey, let's go to the batting cage. Okay. Coach my kids, all growing up, right? We did, I don't know how much we did in batting practice, right? All the time. I, I mean, I'm throwing, I'm throwing batting practice so much I had rotator cuff surgery. Mm. Okay, I'm serious. And so, I know, I'm weak. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point is, you don't just throw a kid in the, into the batter's box and say, hey, good luck, dude. And that's what we tend to do when we preach on evangelism. And instead, why not take him to the batting cage and let him swing the bat a hundred times and get mm -hmm. used to it so that when that pitcher does get on the mound and throws a curve or a fastball, he at least knows whether he should swing at it. Is it in the strike zone or not? Right? And we so I just told Rogelio that. I said, man, if you let us, we'll take you to the batting cages. We'll go on campus with you. Someone in our ministry will train you individually. We'll go every week and we'll take you step by step through the process of learning our approach and our presentation that we've, that we've used for years. And we'll get you to the point where you're confident and competent in sharing the gospel so that then you can train others to do the same. And then I'll say this. Campus E, what we call Campus E, is not our evangelism strategy. It's our evangelism training strategy. If students will let us train them, campus E, and they'll start training others, they're going to be way more effective and way more likely to share with their friends and their family, their coworkers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, it's our, our strategy is to train people to be effective in relational evangelism. It's not either or, it's both. 
but you got to go to the batting cage. Mm-hmm. It's it's that kind of a skill because mm-hmm. you're going to make mistakes. You're going to they're going to throw questions at you that you don't know how to answer, and you're going to have to figure out: Should I even swing at that one, or should I just keep keep looking? You know, should I just keep asking questions? So it's repetition. It's repetition. So, so he decides, yeah, hey, I'm in. Let's say he gets you. You're going to be the guy that trains him. What, how do you begin the training? Okay. I'm going to, we've got documentation. You guys can go on our website if you want to find it. It's nmscchallenge.com. Feel free. And we'll put that in the show notes. You can find our resources, evangelism training stuff. And so we've just got basic stuff where we're going to, we're going to introduce it. We're going to spend the first week probably just talking through stuff and giving him the overview. And then I'm going to assign each week, I'm going to assign just a portion that he's going to memorize and master. And I'm while well, every week he's all he's doing on campus is watching me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then afterwards we're debriefing okay? mm-hmm. and we're talking through stuff and checking him on what he's memorizing. Mm-hmm. And then fairly soon, probably, probably third or fourth week into it, then I'm going to start having him do increments of it live. Okay. Like for instance, the student I'm training now is going to do the approach next week. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're going to, they're going to go up and say, Hey, we're from Christian challenge. Blah, blah, blah. And, and if we get permission, then I'll take over from there. The next week they'll do the approach plus question one. Mm-hmm. The next, third week, question two, question three, and then the response part. Okay, so we just do it incrementally with the idea that hopefully within a semester, they've heard it enough and they've practiced it enough that they're, they're ready to go off leash and start training someone else. It requires their faithfulness. They, they've got to be willing to, to, to memorize some stuff and, and really socially adapt to the, to the ability to, to engage someone in what can often be an emotional conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, the student we were talking to today, man, talking about sin was hard for her. It was hard for her. And, and, and yet, if we're not careful, we'll back away from that awkwardness when in fact, no, they need to hear the, the heaviness mm-hmm. of sin. And they need to hear that from authentic and genuine people, not just from someone preaching at them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so they've got to learn. There's some social skills that people gain just from learning how to share the gospel, mm-hmm. as well as spiritual skills. Well, in the interest of time, we're going to cut it off here today. This interview was just phenomenal to me. We're going to continue next week. Uh, we're going to jump in, talk a little bit about how it came to be a culture in New Mexico for them to to do this kind of evangelistic training, some about follow-up, what that looks like when you do have somebody come to faith through Campus E, and more. So jump in with us next time on the One Link Podcast.